Well, again, thank you so much to everyone who has helped to put our worship services together. Uh, for the Lamb family, who were our Advent candle lighters today. Uh, for Gary Brubaker as our special music. For John Sticknot, who was our liturgist this morning. Uh, for our praise team. For Melody. For um, Thank you so much for all of those who have helped to put our worship service together. Um, we're grateful. And again, if there's ways that you would like to be a part, if you'd like to share a prayer or a testimony or a special music, um, we'd love to have you. So we are in the season of Advent, which is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. <clears throat> it's the season of waiting and preparation. Um, and so uh, we're talking about waiting for the Messiah. Now, what should we call this Messiah? Um, Jesus is how we talk about him in the church, um, but he's known by many names and many titles. So we're looking at the book of Isaiah for the traits and the titles of the coming Messiah, um, how we're preparing for the Messiah, um, and how Jesus has changed the world still today, changed and changing. So we're talking about the Messiah as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. So this morning, wonderful counselor. Would you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, Advent um, is the four weeks preparing for the birth of Jesus. And um, a lot of times it's talked about as the preparation for Christmas. And I know that I've said that even um, throughout the course of um, my years of preaching is that um, Advent is the preparation uh, for Christmas. And that's true. And it's also not quite true. I mean, it's not quite the preparation in that we usually think of um, the celebrations of Christmas, um, like decorating or cookie baking or present wrapping. All of those are things that we do to prepare for the celebration of Christmas, but not necessarily to prepare for the birth of Jesus. Walter Brueggemann, who is um, a Christian author and scholar, um, he says that Advent is the preparation for the demands of newness that will break the tired patterns of fears in our lives. Isn't that beautiful? Advent is preparation for the demands of newness that will break the tired patterns of fears in our lives. Now, if we ever needed a, a season to remember Advent, I feel like this year might be it. Truly, every year has that, but I think this year has had, uh, has had its fair share of needing to prepare for newness. So we, um, we have two readings today. Um, we have the, the Gospel of John. Now the Gospel of John is one of four Gospels. Um, it's the last Gospel and it's the latest Gospel. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, and John um, is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic, synoptic Gospels. And so then John is, is different. It takes a different approach. Um, usually it's, it's more of a spiritual or a theological, kind of like a top down rather than a bottom up, if that makes sense. Um, it's different. 
And in the Gospel of John, well, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke are the only two Gospels that record um, any sort of birth story for Jesus. Mark doesn't mention Jesus's birth at all other than he was born. And Mark starts with Jesus' baptism. Um, and then Matthew and Luke share um, Jesus' birth stories. Uh, Matthew from more of a Jewish perspective or Joseph's perspective. And then um, Luke from a more Gentile or kind of Mary's perspective. And then John is just totally different. And in the first verses of John's gospel, one who would hear this or read this for the first time, or even, to he even reading it or hearing it now, would be transported to the beginning. And um, the beginning being the book of Genesis in the beginning. And not to debate how the world was created, but that the world was created and who was involved. The Spirit of God, the Word, Yahweh, or God. And John tells us in those first few verses of the gospel um, that the light was in the world, but the light was not accepted by everyone. Many couldn't recognize it, or many didn't want to recognize it. It was lost upon them. And in the first few verses of John's gospel, we're transported back there in the beginning. Now, John's gospel tells the story of Jesus for a pretty specific reason. And really, we can say that about all of the gospels. But John was written um, around 80 to 90 A.D., quite a while after Jesus' death and resurrection, quite a while after Jesus' birth, but quite a while after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so there was a lot that had been happening, that had happened and was happening in the world. Uh, the world had changed quite a bit. The Roman Empire, um, which was the empire that controlled everything, they were starting to lose their ground and to lose power. And so they were fighting back to uh, reclaim their power and authority in the world. Now, with that sort of fighting, you can imagine that's not really a calm or peaceful conversation. This kind of fighting is, is often violent and angry and fearful. And Rome is fighting against anyone who it sees as a threat. And Christians especially were one of those threats because Christians claimed a king that wasn't Caesar. Saying Jesus is Lord was a really large political statement. By saying Jesus is Lord, it meant you were saying that Caesar wasn't Lord. And of course, Christians were caring for the most vulnerable in society. Now, the world in which John and others who first read this gospel lived in, it was a violent, angry, fearful world. We don't know anything about that, right? This is the world that the gospel was being written in. It's the world that we're reading it in. So if you're John, what do you want to say to this community? Now, if you're you, what do you want to hear? What would you want people to make sure that they knew or remembered? What's the message that you want to share with a community that's hurting? to a community that's scared, to a community that's angry, to a community that's violent, to a community of people.
human beings. What would you want to hear? And what do you want to hear? I think on first glance, talking about Advent may not be what you first want to hear because it's the season of waiting. And I feel like we've been doing a lot of waiting in 2020. We've been waiting for a vaccine. We've been waiting for uh, things to open up. We've been waiting for things to get better. We've been waiting for election results. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I am not a patient per. Well, sometimes I'm a patient person, but most of the time I'm not. And so when I first thought about Advent, I was like, seriously, we're waiting again and waiting and waiting and waiting. And also, <laughs> Advent is, is not just a season of waiting, but a season of, of preparation while we wait. Now we're pre preparing and waiting for, for this Messiah who will change everything. And in order to wait for this Messiah, in order to wait in general, you have to wait with hope because you don't wait for things that you don't think will happen. And so really Advent is the season of ultimate hope. And so as John begins his gospel writing, John begins in the beginning. John was reminding us that the world the world that was created wasn't the world it's become. The world was created through love. And what it is, is not necessarily what God intended. And not only is it not what God intended, it's not what God wants. And it would be really easy to lose hope in the middle of violence and anger and fear. And it's easy, it's easy to find yourself in the middle of those emotions and to become angry and fearful. And it's, and it's easy to wonder where God is in the middle, middle of all of that. When the darkness seems to be overwhelming and the light seems nowhere to be found. And even though Advent is the season of light and hope, we also vividly remi are reminded of the darkness. And often we don't need to be reminded too hard because we can see or even feel it all around us. And we need it. You can't see the light if it's not for the darkness. And so both are necessary. the wonderful counselor, this Messiah that was promised. Now, it wasn't just a nice thought. It wasn't just like, oh, that would be nice to have. This Messiah, for, for the folks in the first century, it was someone who was, who was craved for. It was, they were desperate for it. I mean, really, we're still desperate for, for the hope that this brings waiting for this Messiah who, who would change everything. 
the one coming from God, the one who would save us all, the wonderful counselor. And this counselor would be the one that would overturn all of the unjust policies. So for for those who are reading or hearing about the Messiah for the, at the, for the first time, this Messiah was a political figure. Now I know a lot of people are thinking, oh goodness, politics and religion, the two things we never talk about. I know. And politics are are deeply a part of our Christian faith. Partisanship is something very different than politics. But politics are the ways that we live our life. And this Messiah was going to be a political figure. This counselor, this wonderful counselor, would make plans and policies that would benefit everyone. There wouldn't be anyone left out anymore. There wouldn't be anyone who would um, be over anyone else except for this wonderful counselor. This would be someone who would bring justice and who would bring inclusion and who, who would just make everything better. Can you imagine a political figure today who might be able to do that? Now, this is not me telling you that I think any of our politicians or political figures fit that bill. There was only one Messiah and his name is Jesus. And I follow him with all of my heart. And I also have high hopes and high expectations for our leaders to care for all people. And the Messiah is a wonderful counselor a ruler and a leader who will care for all these people. But not just that, you know, wonderful counselor. I mean, if you think about it also as a, as a counselor of wonders, someone who inspires us all to work for the betterment of all people, invites us to imagine the world as it could be. It doesn't have to be this way. The kingdom of God. What if this counselor of wonders inspired us to work on creating that world alongside them? That's what captivates me so much about Jesus. I want to dream of the world that he teaches and preaches about, one where all are welcome one where justice is for all, one where all know that they are loved, and to do my part in helping to create that world the way that we're all invited. Which brings me to Dolly Parton. See that smooth transition there? Dolly Parton. Clearly what you think of when you think of Advent. Of course. Now, most people know Dolly Parton as a talented, um, as a talented and amazing country singer, or maybe as a mega talented uh, songwriter. And also, she's someone who is driven by her faith to make the world better. She wrote the song, Code of Many Colors, 
both to tell her own story and also to tell others that they need not be ashamed of their story. Because her father was ashamed that he couldn't read, she started an organization called Imagination Library, which sends books to kids in the mail. In the aftermath of the fires in the Smoky Mountains in 2017, she gave all of the victims $1,000 a month for six months. That total was almost $9 million. She has contributed a million dollars to helping the COVID vaccine being produced. Now, in a recent interview that I heard with her, um, somebody asked uh, if she was a saint or called her a saint. And she laughed and she said, oh, I am not a saint. I've done plenty of things I shouldn't. And if I haven't done them yet, I probably will soon. But what she has done is she's imagined the world differently. She's imagined the world as it could be. And not only has she imagined it, but she's making it happen. Now we all don't have dolly money. And we can still do our part to build the world we imagine. We need reminders that this isn't how the world was created to be. It wasn't created to be violent or angry or fearful. We aren't created to be violent or angry or fearful. We're created to love and to be loved. And we also need to be reminded that God hasn't abandoned us ever. This wonderful counselor has entered the world. The Messiah inspires us to build the world that God dreams of. Now this pandemic may have given you opportunities to think about what matters most to you. We've seen ugliness. And sometimes out of fear, we may have contributed to it. And we don't have to keep doing it. We can testify to the light. We can follow Jesus. We can trust the wonderful counselor. We can imagine the world as it can be and we can build it. So what can you do? Maybe, maybe it's as simple or easy as calling or texting your family, even if you can't be together in person. Maybe it's about being aware of information you share and making sure it's accurate or truthful. Maybe it's remembering people are tired. Be gentle with yourself and with others. Maybe learn about another culture or someone different than you. Buy local Christmas gifts to local restaurants or using local stores. Thank your grocery store employees. 
tip your Instacart drivers really well. Offer to help a parent with remote learning for their kids. Surprise a neighbor with a loaf of bread or some Christmas cookies. Dream of the world as it could be. And then do something. Do something big or do something small to will it into existence. Because the light has always been in the world. The world came into being through light. We claim light. We work for light. We bring the light. One spark, one flicker, one flame, one act of light and love at a time. Exactly how we were created. Amen. <laughs>